Hi, Wilder. Hello. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. We got lots of comments this week from The Undoing. Oh, I'm curious. Yeah. And also, we didn't even drop it till Friday morning, but it's, you know, we're taping this over the Thanksgiving holiday and everybody's watching a lot of TV, don't you think? But there's tons of buzz around whodunit. Yes. And... (laughs) You know, when we taped it, we didn't, we had not seen episode five. Right. right and right. at the end of episode five, there's this like plot twist. And yeah. you had had your idea, which we didn't publish last week, of what you thought was going to happen. And it's, here's what, some people think it's her good friend who's the lawyer. Some people think it's him. Some people think she's got multiple personality disorder. And then some people think it's the son. Okay. You had sort of thought that it was her friend. Do you still think that? Well, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's a plot twist that I laughed a lot about because <laughs> it was just. I, I mean, it's I it's and so, not only that the way they rolled it out. It, you're right. I'm glad we didn't see it before we taped it, or you would have thrown that in my face for sure. <laughs> uh, no, I don't know. I don't know that I'm. I, you didn't make the show. You know, <laughs> no, but I liked it a lot better than you did. So. Um, I, I, you know, it's funny because I don't, I don't dislike it. Yeah, I just think yeah. that they take it a little too seriously when it, I, to me, it's just fun. Like, yeah. well, it's <laughs> but funny. What do people have to say? Somebody wrote in and said, "Loved your podcast last week about the undoing." You are right. It's a New York City version of Big Little Lies, which we didn't say so succinctly, but we certainly implied. So many character similarities, but I still can't wait to see what happens. It's all trash. (laughs) It's good, right? Great. Yeah. So anyway, so the finale, the big finale is Sunday and we're taping this on Saturday. So when we drop next week, we will not know who actually done it. I'm just praying that they're not going to do a season two. Please do not leave me hanging for a season two or I will shoot. Oh, I don't think so. I think they'll tell us who it was in this season I you know Big Little Lies did the same thing they're not intent I don't think they're intending to didn't make it intending to do a season two yeah um that was not their intention but you know lately that seems to be the conversation the gamut you know the you know all of these things are well will they continue on this this trajectory of these characters and stuff and sometimes more is just more it's not better so I'm hoping that they'll end it here so let's hope they did that with Big Little Lies. It was never intended to go into a second season. It was so successful, they did it anyway. So we'll see. Yeah. Now, also, I watched something over this holiday on Hulu, Happiest Season. Have you heard anything about it? I've heard it's great. I've heard a lot of people really, really like it. I haven't had a Dan Levy's in it, and I adore him. I oh, think okay. he steals the show of anything that he's in. You wanted more, more, more of him. Yeah. You know, there wasn't enough of him. It was like, when is he coming back in for a little yeah. comic relief? He was great. Absolutely great. I love him. I hear it's very good in a nice little light Well, it's funny because I'm not somebody, I have a lot of friends who love Lifetime, Lifetime films or whatever it's called between Thanksgiving. The Hallmark movies. Yeah, the Hallmark movies Mm -hmm. and everybody watches them, et cetera. And so I decided to pick up Happiest Season. And the reason I turned it on was because of Kristen Stewart. And I thought, why is she doing this film, which looks like it's right out of Hallmark. And the first half of it, I'm like, why did she do this film? And then- I totally understand now, you know, why she did it. It's basically, she's somebody who is accompanying her girlfriend 
to the girlfriend's family home only to learn that she hasn't come out to her parents yet. And so, and the, the film is co-written and directed by Cleo Duvall and stars Danny Levy from Schitt's Creek, which you're talking about. Anyway, I have to say, I now, the last half hour will explain why she did it. Yeah, I like Clea Duvall a lot. I saw her first movie, which was kind of a riff on The Big Chill, which is a movie I absolutely love. Oh, which is one of the greats. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. You know, I think she's progressing as a writer-director, I, and she's primarily an actress. She's famous as an actress. So I, I appreciate that she's jumping in. And everything she's doing has a little bit of an LGBT bent on it which I appreciate and I think we need more of but I I'm curious to see this yeah. one. I haven't seen it I hear I hear it's delightful well you know she chooses very carefully what she participates in and I think words matter to her and so to plot yeah to all these things and she's not going to do something that's not in her sweet spot of interest so so good for her yes. and it's worth seeing just for the last half hour if nothing more so I will take a look so you came up with the brilliant idea to do hillbilly elegy which I wasn't going to do <laughs> and I, wow. I'm so glad you put it on the table. I have so much to say. Let me introduce it a little bit. It's based on the book by J.D. Vance. And he basically ended up in Yale Law School, but he came from the real depths of poverty in Appalachia. And it's his journey with his addicted mother and grandmother who raised him. He ends up at Yale Law School. And this is the story of his journey and his relationship with these people. And it's really a film about class systems. And I wasn't going to see it because I'd heard such, you know, it got panned in the reviews. I mean, it's sitting there at 25% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. But I'm so glad I did. What's your takeaway? What What do you have to say out of the gate? Well, I thought it was something that we should review because it's two powerhouses, right? It, it's <sighs> Amy Adams and Glenn Close. Um, but not only that, outside their box, for sure. Very yeah. much so, outside yeah. their box. And I think... The way we've talked about what we're doing and why we're doing it and female representation in film, I thought that this was something that we should definitely take a look at. Uh, It was also, the book was a huge sale with Ron Howard. It was a big deal in Hollywood and a big bidding war. Did they spend a lot of money on it? I don't even know. Yeah. Yeah, they spent a lot of money on the book. Do you know how much they paid for it? I don't remember exactly how much the original book sold for, but Netflix paid $45 million for the Well, that's a little chunk of change. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I I like Ron Howard as a filmmaker. I don't know that I've loved anything he's done since Apollo 13, which is, you know, a long time ago. It's before you're born, for God's sake. It was definitely not. I'm not that young. (laughs) I'm pretty sure. What was it? Was it 80s? What what was it? Apollo 13? No, Apollo 13 was late 90s, if anything. Okay, okay. Yeah. God, it's Tom Hanks and Bill Paxton and... It's, it's such a great it I is a great that. film yeah but you know this was a big deal movie it was getting a lot of reviews it was getting a lot of talk and i thought as women we should be watching it and talking about it well here's my takeaway on why people are having such a hard time with this film i think that it's brilliant and i think it is so hard to watch because there is no relief In all Mm. films, we always get relief and it makes it palatable to people. And when people think of Ron Howard, they're not comfortable going into a film with Ron Howard and being upset through the whole thing. I mean, when have you ever seen a film where a boy is peeing into a cup to protect his mother's urine sample from drugs? 
where you're actually seeing him peeing into the cup. We've seen people go into a bathroom with a cup, but I can't tell you when we've ever seen a nine or 10 year old kid peeing in a cup to protect his mother when he didn't want to. There is no relief. It is so raw and so filled with what's wrong with our entire world and families and everything else. And yet there is this thread of hope through the whole thing, whether it's the grandmother's hope in her son or whatever. And I think that's why it got panned. I think people's expectation of what Ronnie is going to do is right out of Opie. And Interesting. Yeah. And so I think they couldn't stand it because we weren't prepared to be in a film where it just doesn't get better. Can I ask what you thought was brilliant about it? What were the aspects of it that made it a brilliant movie? He to did you? not use the tools that filmmakers use to make it palatable to the audience. And that makes it a brilliant movie? I do, because I think it's new and out of the box that he's doing this when no one's ever done it before. And I think what's really interesting is if you'd seen it in a movie theater rather than at home when you were surrounded by other people who were also having tremendous angst about when is there relief? When does somebody get nicer? You know, when does something good happen here? I think it would have been a totally different experience. Maybe worse, maybe better, I don't know. We're a society that we don't want to look at Raleigh in the mirror. And I think, you know, Ron Howard has made a point of not addressing the criticism, which is all about this moment in time that we're in politically. This film is a political film. And that the Appalachia situation of abject poverty in this country has to be dealt with. And they're trying to make this film into his statement about that. And he, he said he was just telling the story. But he has not commented on it, although Glenn Close and Amy Adams both came out very strongly saying, this is storyteller, and he told the story beautifully. It's almost like, we don't like the story. Why are you telling me this? Why are you mm. making me look at this? That's and so I think that's brilliant, because I think anybody else would have brought relief in somewhere somewhere you know it's fascinating because we talk about this a lot of should this movie or should this series have been a movie should this movie have been a series i think this movie should have been a series oh my god it, interesting yeah why it's fascinating i like your take a lot because i i don't think you're wrong i actually see a lot more movies that are like this that don't have the relief that you know they're smaller they're indie they're yeah, but this is a blockbuster this was for the masses this is a blockbuster yeah this was everybody yeah yeah and there's a reason that those indie movies stay indie movies is because because they're a trial to get through and my problem with this as a movie is that you don't get to appreciate the family in the way that you understand that jd is going through right there are these moments they flash to and you know i gotta say like the whole opening was like ron howard's take on an amblin nostalgia it should have had vaseline over the lens <laughs> of the way that he was biking down the street yeah. but the music nostalgic it's a kid who's going back home after a summer in his favorite place and he's riding his bike furiously to get one last swim into the swimming hole yeah yeah it's right out of every but doesn't end well <laughs> no it doesn't end well but it's also I, I think that the story he's telling is is the generations of this family is understanding how his mother got into the situation that she's in, which I don't know that we get a full appreciation for. There's a flash, there's a, a moment where his sister fills him in that he doesn't know the whole story. He doesn't know what his mother went through as a child and that she's kept that from him. And we flash to 
pretty horrific scene when Amy is younger. It's not Amy. She's like seven. And that's the piece of it we don't get to appreciate in the movie. I don't think. I think that we... Also, it would have gotten rid of the problem I saw. It would have... There would yeah, have been relief. Would have People wouldn't have binged it for six hours in a row. You would have been able to take 45 minutes of it. It's two hours. It's yeah, a full and two hours. Yeah. I will tell you, I struggled through that two hours. I'm not, I'm not unfamiliar yeah, with know. the topic. I think everybody in America is somehow affected by addiction, right? This is a universal American story at this point, which I really appreciate. And I like that he wanted to bring to, well, now the small screen, but was originally the big screen. And I don't know what we were supposed to walk away with. You know, she, there's, there's hope at the end, but just barely. Maybe why do we always have to walk away with something? Why is that the obligation? In other words, maybe the time for films has changed where you just are taking a slice out of somebody's life and there doesn't, everything doesn't have to be wrapped up prettily at the end or whatever. Oh, I don't know that we needed it wrapped up with a bow, right? Which, by the way, they kind of do. But what I'm wondering is because he didn't take a stand on what's happening in Appalachia, because we don't have a full arc. I mean, JD arcs, right? JD's character is the one who arcs. But we don't fully understand how and why he got there because it's not the focus of the movie. The focus of the movie is the family. JD is a part of that. Whereas in a traditional narrative, JD would have been the center of that. We would have seen him struggling to get away from them. We would have seen him struggling to help his mom and to let go and towards that's where he ends up. But we don't see him grow to get there. And that was my issue with the movie. Oh, I saw him grow. I saw him stand up for his family at the dinner, which might have cost him his summer internship with the law firm. I saw him growing as he understood and saw as he made decisions, when he saw what his grandmother was doing to try to get him a life, and he made that decision in that moment, and he walks over and starts cleaning the dishes, I saw him grow throughout the entire movie. I saw a lot of it. But there also are incredible moments of quotes in this film. Like one of them, his sister turns to him and says, don't make us your excuse, JD. And I think yeah, it's amazing moments where... If we look across America, how many times do you hear people talking about, well, you know, my parents did this or my uncle did that or I had this experience in Hollywood and that's why I took this direction. And, you know, like she just turns to him and says it so simply, don't make us your excuse, JD. And then. Yeah, but it also doesn't track, right? Earlier, she is the one who calls him and says, you have to come home. Right. I need you to come home. And he says, I've got this interview tomorrow at 10 a.m. And then when he turns to her and says, I can't leave, she says, don't make us your excuse. Because she's human and we all do that. Yeah, but it's... I can't tell you the number of times I've said to my sister, well, you have to do this. And then she stops everything to do it. And it's like, well, I don't under... You know, you could have said no. You know, that's the human... Maybe that's more realistic than somebody who took that... In that moment in time, she needed him to come home. But once he came home... And the mother made these decisions. She's like, okay, now you can't stay home and make this the excuse for not going back. When she asked him to come down, there was a crisis. His coming home didn't have an effect except for on him, which again, needs him to be the center of the narrative, which I think in a limited series, we would have appreciated more. Well, it did have an effect. It gave his sister some support. 
And when he came, I mean, kind of, she did not know what to do. He came home and he did take charge and start dealing with the people at the hospital. And he didn't fix the problem because it was unfixable, but he definitely made a mark when he came home. In my opinion, I think he absolutely did. But also at one point, JD says, whatever better life my grandparents had chased up route 23, they never caught it. There's commentary through the whole thing about how mm-hmm. people try to get out of this abyss that they live in, mm-hmm. but very few people do. So if we look at the whole family, and you're right, I thought what you just said was really smart about, look, this was a story about a family. Maybe the disappointment is he's the only one who got out. <laughs> well, and I, I think that that's realistic, yeah, right? Exactly. But again, I think we would have appreciated it more this all comes back to what I do for a living. Sure. Right. Had this book come to me, I would have been like, this is a series, right? We need to see the grandparents on their journey. We need to understand what they went through so that we understand what Amy went through so that we understand why JD is where he is. I think that's really interesting point of view. Yeah, I do. But they made it, but Ron Howard made it into a film. Just never satisfied. Never satisfied Hollister. Just always want to change whatever. I was going to say, but couldn't you once like, (laughs) If it's like when it's a series, you're like, it's got to be a movie. When it's a movie, you want it to be, you know, I can't keep up. Okay, but. I'm a mess. I'm so here's sorry. here's my message to Ron <laughs> Howard, okay? Ron, finally, you came out of the safe box in which you live. And you did a film in a way that I think was totally unique and different. That was appalling, upsetting, depressing, a little too close to home for the caste system in our country right now and please god don't go backwards don't go back and do another apollo 13 (laughs) please god do not please stay outside the box and continue to buy work that is not necessarily fitting into the quote arcs and all the things that have made film what they've been which really is one of the things that created the messed upness i have two friends who i swear never got married and never found a relationship because of when Harry met Sally and because of, of the films that have these romantic comedies, which are not realistic. You know, it's not the way it works out. And so I think. And that that's Hollywood's fault. No, but I think they, when you watch (laughs) enough of them, you watch enough of pretty woman, which I think is one of the best feminist films of all time and Hollister and, and, and O'Toole debated that out in a very, very vicious mm-hmm. podcast. I think that you do think life follows that, you know, becomes real, especially when you see it enough. And especially when you start seeing it when you're 16 years old. And I would say to a couple of people, you really think life is like that? You're crazy. It's not good every day. Anyway, my point is this. I'm glad Ron Howard took a chance And I think, unfortunately, his brand is so strongly placed in one way, one dimensionally, what he is, that people were violently disappointed when he didn't produce what he normally does. Keep in mind, Apollo 13, they got back safely. They should have died. Well, yeah, but that's what really happened. (laughs) I know, but maybe he should now go back and do the one that blew up in 86. I'm just saying, you know. Well, I'm going to say I'm on the other side of the spectrum here. I would love it if Ron went back to telling stories like Apollo 13. <laughs> I, I think he did play this safe. I think we didn't see the darkness that comes with heroin addiction. 
right? Well, we that, don't see. By the way, that one of the major criticisms everybody's talking about is the way that was handled was not okay. And that it was insensitive and actually racist. You know, people said it only a white man who's never been around heroin addiction could portrayed it this way. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think it's also part of the story is that she's not necessarily a heroin addict. She is, and this is a whole other diatribe and we can get into a whole other conversation about this. This is a woman who went down a long road of addiction that landed in heroin because she didn't have access to the pills that she originally was addicted to. Right. So you go, you go down this, this slide unfortunately. Do, but also as the pills stop working so well, I mean, my cousin has been a heroin addict since he was nine and he's now oh, wow. 69 on and off. And he would tell me, look, you end up at heroin because nothing else works anymore. Yeah. You know, I don't know what he would say about this film, but. but it does we, feel very white. Yeah. Which yeah, exactly. I, it's a white yeah. family. And, yeah. and I understand that, but yeah, I it's also. It's a white poor family and it was depicted on the screen by someone who probably maybe should have done a little more homework. I don't know. I, I can't, I sure. can't. And I think that. also yeah. if you're, if you're talking about Appalachia, I don't know how you don't touch on meth. Yeah. Right. Yep. Which is if you're talking about drug addiction, but it, truly he did a good job of keeping it centered on the family and that I appreciate. I just think he did play it safe and not taking us into those truly dark moments. Okay. Uh, and, and I would have appreciated that. Okay. We have to now, because we're going to run out of time as we always do, we have to talk <laughs> about Amy Adams and Glenn Close. I mean, they're amazing. I, I think Amy it's hard not to look at Amy and love her, right? It's really hard not to just want to give her a hug and tell her it's going to be okay. But she is, she's a, she's a terrible mom, right? But she also is trying her best. You know, she's got an addiction. She's got an illness. Glenn Close, we only get to see the grandmother side of Glenn Close. And apparently that's not the whole story. And I, she's incredible. I also didn't understand, apparently, is Amy the eldest child or is her sister the eldest? I didn't quite get that because apparently there's only... We don't really meet the sister. There's supposed to be... Glenn Close was 13 when she got pregnant for the first time in, the, in her character. Well, it's funny because that's the age difference between Amy Adams and Glenn Close. It does not years. look like it in this movie. Glenn Close now, looks like she's 50 years older than Amy Adams. Okay, but get this. It only took... I, I guess how long it took for them to do makeup every day for Glenn Close. They, By the way, it was a fake nose, fake ears, a lot of stuff going on that face. I mean, that's that's a wig for sure. There's a lot of prosthetics on her face. I would say that's at least two hours, if not three. No, it was one hour, less than an hour. I mean, they had a great makeup team then. Well, not only that, maybe they're getting better at it. You know, I don't know. You know, I worked on a show where the prosthetics took about four hours every morning. Yeah. I mean, everybody was shocked that it only took that long, but that's what, how long it took. But okay. I think both of their performances are awesome. And I think Glenn Close's performance, her willingness to look like that and act like that and walk like that. Mm -hmm. And she does embody the character fully. You know, Glenn Close said one of the things that really meant a lot to her was that Bev's children were on the set a lot. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And that a couple of times they were crying when she was portraying their grandmother and they said it was like seeing their grandmother back again. And she felt really good about that. But I got to tell you, you have to be really vulnerable to be that different from yourself on the screen. You know, I, I I mean, I think Glenn Close is 
incredible. She's just, I mean, from every role that she's done, she's a chameleon in her ability to just kind of morph into a role and take you through exactly yeah whatever journey it is that you're on with her. I think she's, she's a powerhouse. She's unbelievable on the screen. She's yes. And Amy as well. She's, it's, it's impossible to look away from Amy Adams. There are scenes in this film where you are disgusted with her behavior. It is atrocious and you are, I mean, I'm sitting there screaming, what are you doing? What are you doing? And obviously this is a very ill woman, but you can't help but watch it because she's so magnetic. Totally. Both of them. Okay. So I'm going to ask you to choose. If only, I assume they'll both be nominated for Academy Awards if there is an award. I don't, I don't know that that's true, actually. I think the movie's getting such, such difficult reviews that I don't know that it's going to be nominated for anything. Well, their performances, by the main reviewers, their performances are being touted as amazing. So now the Rotten Tomatoes people don't like either one because they don't like the characters. But anyway, okay, I'm going to say that, let's just say for the sake of my little little plan here they both get nominated you only one is going to win which one is it elizabeth well i think they'd be in different categories no i know that but i'm no we're playing it's my game we're in it's my game my rule stop arguing with you i'm so sorry okay all Um, right they're both nominated what really i choose glenn Okay. Yeah, I think I, I also, also she think did, she hasn't never gotten one. She does. I mean, when, just when. She hasn't? If not now. No. I didn't know that she'd never won. I mean, she's got a lot of Golden Globes. And I think she's got some Emmys for damages. I mean, she's amazing. But she, I think the Academy, and this isn't just me. Sorry, I'm not just playing politics here. I don't, I don't think this is just what the Academy is going to do. I do think it's what the Academy is going to do. <laughs> but they, they tend to reward, they tend to try to reward the more understated performances they don't always do that I mean it's sometimes frustrating in that respect but I think Glenn's the stability through the whole movie right and that's a hard role to play against someone who's spinning out next to you right and that's what Amy gets to have fun with I think in her portrait not that it's a fun role it's not a fun role but that she gets a lot more dynamic out of her performance because she she's got the highs and lows well, those who have been listening to Screen Thoughts for years know that I, I think the Academy Awards is a male-dominated, ridiculous thing that where I don't think any of the results are right on target. And I don't even think half the people that are nominated should be nominated. But setting all that aside, <laughs> I've always felt that the performances should also be ranked on degree of difficulty. Because I think when you give an Academy Award out, and the degree of difficulty. When Jennifer Lawrence won for Silver Lining Playbooks, I was shocked. I thought the degree of difficulty of that film was not at a level that it should have been to win Best Actress for an Academy Award. I think her role in Hunger Games was a much harder role to play. I do. I mean, you know, okay, so Hunger Games is not the film that Silver Linings Playbook was, but the degree of difficulty to play that role I thought was tenfold harder than Silver Linings. I mean, I think if we're going to talk about that, we got to go back to Winner's Bone. If, oh. if she's going to win a, a degree of Oscar difficulty, exactly for a degree of difficulty, Winter's Bone is okay, the one you I give it to her for. I would agree totally. And that's <laughs> that's part of the problem that I have is sort of like sometimes the director has too much to do with you know who gets nominated for best actor actress. Well, but it's also it's a whole uh, PR campaign. Well, um, that, that's what I'm saying. It doesn't really yeah. matter. But I think I would pick Amy Adams. 
because if you were to ask me, even I asked you, but you know, if you were to ask me in return, who I would hang pick, on Hollister, who would you pick? <laughs> I would pick Amy <laughs> Adams because I think the degree of difficulty was harder. I think they both were at the top of their game. And I think they both played the characters brilliantly, but I think the degree of difficulty for Amy's part was harder. I do. I think playing the drug addict the way she did, I thought was good, where you didn't know she was totally on drugs. I thought it was a superb performance. And I thought the degree of difficulty was really, was really there. So, you know, she also had to show love. Glenn Close was the same person throughout. Amy Adams was a loving mother. She was a drug addict. She was an angry daughter. She had all these different roles to play. So Elizabeth, we've got to wrap this up, but are you telling me, I'm sensing, you got to come out of the closet, girlfriend. Did you <laughs> not like this film? You know, I, I did not love this film. I felt it was a bit self-indulgent. Really? We, How so? We don't go to those dark places. We don't see the truth of what this disease really reeks on a family we don't you you mentioned the moment where we see him peeing into a cup and we go into that i would say that's probably about as dark as we get except for the one moment in the hotel bathroom with amy later which i'm not gonna give that away but it's a rough one but it feels like he touched on some topics that were darker but not too dark and the filmmaking was like nostalgic Mm. and then felt very like pantyhose over the lens or it was just very It felt convenient to me. He takes the opportunity. He lifts himself up by his bootstraps with the help of his grandmother and gets to Yale and that's going to solve everybody's problems. Well, it wasn't with the help of his grandmother as much it was with her expectation. Sure. And I think that that's... I think he did it for her rather than for himself at the beginning. Interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a lot of people's journeys, but it's also... I was just going to say, whatever gets you on the track, you know? Yeah, but it's, it's... It's very white. I think I have a history on this podcast of being a little yeah, <laughs> a little yeah. upset that we're so focused on white stories. Yeah. I understand that that's the story of this family. Well, there certainly is a whiteness and Yale's going to set you free. No question yeah. about it. Well, yeah. and and I think that that's an American It is. Yeah. story. And sure, it's also true. I mean it it is true. Yeah. Um, they do address, you know, the the debt that he's going to have to go into to get through that, you know, then there's law school and and getting a a good high paying lawyer job assuming that's where he goes. Hopefully that helps get him out of that, but it is a singular Well, clearly white story. he didn't cuz he left and wrote a book instead. Did he not graduate law school? He did graduate law school and then a year later, he must have gone to one of the big firms, but he ended up writing this book. He did not stay with the law. I don't know what he's doing oh. now, so I can't really speak to that. But J.D. Vance wrote a book. He was not, you know, in the legal profession when he was doing it, I don't think. Well, I'm so. sure the movie has helped with everything. Yes. Yeah. Interesting perspective. Yeah. Self-indulgent. Huh. Well, that would make sense, too. I mean, Opie was four when he was a star. Yeah. You know, and the world has always revolved. To me, it him. felt like someone who wanted to address an issue like this without necessarily being willing or able to go to the lengths that you need to go to address something like this. This is a very yeah. deep, dark topic. And I don't know that the movie Well, I think there. he would say he was telling this family story. 
Sure, but and, while glossing over the think, really yeah. dark moments of it, I can't imagine. Well, that the I think we that see... kid peeing in a cup, which I've never seen ever, was one of the darkest moments I've seen on. Yeah, screen. but we don't. She's barely going through withdrawal when she gets out of the hospital. Like she's kind of fine. She looks a little pale, but no, that's she's kind of fine. Yeah. Well, maybe she wasn't withdrawing. Maybe she wasn't. I mean, that's that's a part of it as yeah. well. But again, not addressed. Right. None of that is. Maybe we should end with, according to the film's credits at the end, the mother's six years clean. Yeah, which is fantastic. Yeah. And you know what? Maybe we can end with that. But at any rate, a lot of talk around this film. You know, a lot of people are saying they're liking it. People are saying they're liking it. The reviewers panned it everywhere. And I am begging Ron to not go back to Apollo 13, even though you clearly think there should be an Apollo 14. Well, so. I don't know that there should be an Apollo 14 because was there an Apollo 14? But <laughs> I, don't, I have no idea. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, we hope you all have a great week and some great stuff to watch on TV, right? Yeah, lots of lots of cool stuff coming out soon. Yeah. We've got some good movies coming out. We've got some good shows coming out. We've got yeah, a bunch really, of Hallmark really Christmas movies coming out. It's a good time to turn on the tube. Yeah. So everybody have a great week and we'll talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.